Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Luke 2, Matthew 2. Verses 10 through 12 in Luke 2. But the angel reassured them, the shepherds, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Now look at Matthew chapter 2 as well. In the first two verses, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to see what it is that you want us to see. Open our ears, Lord, to hear what you want us to hear. And I pray, God, that we have both the the courage and the understanding to not just be a hearer of your word, but a doer as well. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We've been in a series called, Do You Hear What I Hear? And we've been talking about the ways that God speaks, the ways that we can hear from God. The premise of the, of the series is really pretty simple, that God has a voice and God still speaks. But more and more people are having a hard time hearing him. So if there's a communication problem between us and God, one spiritual fact that we can take to the bank is that the problem is not him, right? It's not him. So we've been looking at the ways that God spoke to the people who were in the Christmas account in the Bible so that we can identify and understand the ways that he may also be speaking to us now. Now, as we begin today, I want to remind you of something really important. I want to remind you that the, 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 the will of God is revealed in this book right here. The will of God is revealed. The Bible is the revelation, the revealed will of God for all humanity. He wrote it. He recorded it for our benefit. So every honest pursuit of understanding of the voice of God starts right here in this word. But as I said in the first message, there is a general will of God and there is a specific will of God. And what's found in this book is the general will of God. But, but what we need in our lives many times is also what, when people say, I need to hear God speak to me, they're, what they're speaking of is the specific will. Here's what I mean. The Bible will tell you that if you're able-bodied, you should get a job. It will not tell you which job to get. It will extol the virtues of covenant marriage, but it will not tell you if you, uh, if you should get married or whom you should marry. Okay, So there's a difference. So what we're talking about are the ways that God communicates to us about his specific will in our lives. Now, the first message was called Dreaming of a Right Christmas. And we talked about the, that, the fact that God speaks in dreams and in visions. And in that message, I shared 
uh, about the way that my family is forever changed because of a dream that Valerie had. Uh, In the second message called Angels We Have Heard, we discuss the fact that God speaks through his messengers, through his angels, sometimes the kind in white robes and wings, sometimes uh, through human messengers that are all around us. God is speaking if we'll learn to listen for his voice and not get distracted by whatever packaging it is that God is sending his message. Now, today's message is called, Do You See What I See? And we're going to talk about how God speaks to us through signs. Through signs. Now, let's, uh, let's dive in. Here's the first thing. What is a sign? What is a sign? A sign is a way that God speaks to us to help answer one or more questions about his will. It's a way that God speaks to us to help answer one or more questions about his will. Many times, signs will be something tangible that you can see that'll confirm or communicate a spiritual truth that you can't see. It's something tangible you can see to communicate or confirm something that you can't see. Signs help answer the when and the where and the why and the how. They fill in the gaps along your journey of hearing and understanding and and most importantly, of fulfilling and carrying out whatever it is God is asking you to do. Here are some examples. Before Jesus started his triumphal entry, he needed a donkey to ride in order to fulfill the messianic prophecies. So he sent a couple of disciples into the city to get a donkey. They didn't mind doing it. They were like on board with, with going to get the donkey. Problem is, there was a lot of donkeys. How were they to know which one? And none of them belonged to them, and they weren't trying to go to jail for donkey jacking. Right, so, so they needed a sign. They needed to know which donkey. So he gave them a sign. Jesus said, it's going to be tied up at the city gate right as you go in. It'll be there. And if the owner says anything to you about it, you just say the Lord needs it. And that sign narrowed down exactly what they were supposed to do so they could go and carry out the will of God. Just a few days later, Jesus is getting ready to celebrate Passover with the disciples, but because it's a bunch of men together, ain't nobody planned nothing, right? It's the day of Passover, and they looked around and said, hey, we go, Jesus said, Peter, John, go get ready for the Passover. They're like, okay, but where and what do we all need? So Jesus gave them a sign. He said, go into the city, you're going to see a man carrying water. Follow that man to the house he comes from, and the owner of that house will have everything ready for you. He gave them a sign, and it was exactly what they needed in order to be obedient to the will of God. So now let's go to the Christmas account. When the angels appeared to the shepherds, just a short distance from the cave where Jesus was born, they announced the birth of a baby in a little village that was overrun with people from all over Israel. Some estimates uh, even placed the population in that moment at 10 times what was normal for Bethlehem. So there were literally people everywhere, and I would presume also babies everywhere. So how were these shepherds who were just minding their own business just a minute ago, how are these shepherds supposed to find this particular little Jewish baby among all the other little Jewish babies in this overrun town of Bethlehem? 
You understand the dilemma? They, they knew the general will of God from the prophets. They knew that when the Messiah came, they should honor and worship him. They even knew specifically from the angels that they were supposed to go right then and there to Bethlehem and see this baby. The problem, though, was that it wasn't specific enough for them to take action. They would have been there all night going and finding every little baby. And so God gave them a sign. They wanted to do God's will. It had been affirmed by the prophets of old. It had been revealed and confirmed by the angels on high. But they had no idea how to carry out the will of God in their lives. So that's why God gave them a sign. He said, this is what you look for. A baby in a manger wrapped in strips of cloth. It was a sign. It was something tangible. Some way for them to know what to look for, when to go, and where to start. The angel said, in the, in the King James Version, it says that you'll, this will be a sign unto you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, the strips of cloth, the swaddling clothes, were not unusual for that day at all. But here's the thing. If they had gone into Bethlehem looking for a king they would have overlooked the Christ child because he was wrapped up in swaddling clothes just like all the other poor kids of that day. And the manger, I mean, listen, even poor kids weren't born in a manger. They weren't born in a feeding trough. So this sign that sounds, it seems pretty innocuous, this sign helped them to focus the search and narrow down what they were looking for so they could do what God told them to do. They knew the word, they heard the voice, they accepted the task, but what they needed was a sign. And sometimes we still need signs today. Do you see what I see? And I see God speaking to us through signs if we're paying attention. Now, when I was a teenager at church, Valerie and I met in and grew up in, I heard the story from an evangelist, and I can't remember if he was telling it about himself or someone else that he knew. But there was an evangelist who was beginning a, a, a revival one night at a little church that he had not been to before. Now, this was 40 years ago. This is way before GPS. So all he had to go on was the sketchy directions of a well-intended pastor and his general good sense of direction. Unfortunately for him, uh, a heavy, dense fog had settled in over that little country two-lane road that he was driving on. He couldn't see anything, right? You've been there. He hadn't seen a car, hadn't passed a car. He, does, he has no, as far as he knows, he's the only person in this county at this point. He, know, he does not know where he is, much less where he's going. And so he was so lost and so confused and so distressed that, that he, just, he just started praying. He just started praying. Good evangelist starts praying. And he hears himself saying to God more than once, God, I need you to show me the way. And about that time, he said amen, and he looked up and he sees taillights in the distance. And he, as he caught up to the car, it was going really slow for some reason because of the fog, I guess. He, he caught up to the car, and he could make out that on the back of the car was this brightly colored bumper sticker. And when he read the bumper sticker, he laughed out loud before LOL was a thing. The, the first car that he had seen in miles, moments after he had just said amen on his prayer, and on the back of that car is a bumper sticker that says, The Way. And he said, are you serious? 
But since he didn't have a better option, he decided to follow the way. And, and the car took several turns that he would have missed had he not been following this car. Twisted, turned, and within just a few minutes, he saw the glow of the parking lot lights and the church sign. And as he turned in to start his night of revival, that car disappeared into the fog. Now, the Bible is full of examples of people who are asking for a sign. Now, they're not always quite as on the nose as the bumper sticker that says, The Way, when you're lost. But for the people that God spoke to in these accounts in the Bible, it may, have, may as well have been uh, a neon bumper sticker because it, it was exactly what they needed to know at the time. Maybe the most famous biblical sign is in one of my favorite accounts in the Bible, and that's Gideon's Fleece. So uh, God had called, it's in the book of Judges, God had called Gideon to lead an army against an overwhelming enemy force that was coming against Israel. But he, Gideon was no warrior, nor was he a prophet. Uh, so he asked God for some confirmation. He said, God, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put out a fleece tonight, which is basically a, a blanket made of wool. And he said, God, if it's really your will for me to do this, then in the morning I'd, I'd like for the rest of the ground to be covered in dew, but I want this blanket to be dry. And the next morning, it was exactly as he had asked. But Gideon was still a little concerned. So we went back to the Lord. He's like, hey, God, good job. Like, I got that. Appreciate it. Don't get mad at me. But I'd like to try this one more time, but in reverse, just to make sure. And so the, the, this time, he said, I want the, the ground to be dry, but the blanket to be wet. And the Bible says the next morning, he was able to wring out a whole container of water out of that fleece while everything else was bone dry. So that was his sign, two signs, actually. But that was what he needed to give him the confidence to move forward with the will of God in his life. And listen, God's not mad at you for seeking confirmation or direction. He ain't mad. As a matter of fact, God gave Gideon another sign that he didn't even ask for a few days later just to make sure that he was comfortable and confident in moving forward. He, God's not mad at you for making sure that you're doing the right thing in the right way and or at the right time. And after 45 years of, of walking with the Lord, I can tell you from experience why you are going to need the confirmation, why you're going to need a sign, and it's this. Because doing the will of God in your life is often so difficult, God wants you sure so you don't quit. God wants you sure so you don't quit. Listen, I know that is not popular in, in American churches, but the will of God will require everything of you. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. He said, if you want to live, you have to lay down your life. And so the will of God is going to be demanding. And if, when you get in those moments when you are questioning everything, you have to remember your calling and your confirmation to keep you faithful. Gideon was about to fight 100,000 men with only 300 men, most of whom didn't even have a sword, none of whom were trained soldiers. Gideon needed to know for sure that it was God. And even if God hasn't called you to fight an overwhelming force 
in your life, whatever his call is on your life is just as scary for you as this was for Gideon. You may doubt yourself. You may question yourself. Listen, ask God to confirm it for you. Ask him so that you know for sure. And the cool thing is, his sign may be one of the other ways that we've already talked about that he communicates. He may send a dream as a sign. He may, he may send an angel as a sign. He may send a human messenger as a sign with, with a message that there's no way any human could have known what to say. It's a sign. Affirm it with God's word, like make sure it ain't some sort of heretical nonsense. Affirm it with the word. Confirm it with what else God's doing in your life, what else he's saying in other ways. But if it passes the test, then take the sign with a grateful heart. A pastor friend of mine shares that when he was, he was being called to preach, it was a bit of a process because he was like, I'm the last guy that God would call to preach. So I need to know like for sure, for sure, like Valley Girl for sure. So he, he was asking God for a sign, and, and he said, God, you got to show me. you got to confirm to me that you're really doing this. And he said, just a few days later, some dude in McDonald's, he had never seen him before, just trying to order a Big Mac, and some dude comes up and, and, and tells him, God sent me to tell you that he is calling you to preach. And he was like, what? Right? So, I mean, he's like, okay, that, that's a sign. That's, that's a sign. Like, I didn't even know God came to McDonald's, but that's a sign. By the, by the food, most of the time, God ain't nowhere near McDonald's. But that, that's, this has got to be a sign. And it helped to confirm for him that it was truly God's will for his life. Now, let's look at another Christmas sign. Matthew chapter 2. We'll read these first two verses again, and then we'll read 9 through 11. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during King Herod's reign. About that time, wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star. We saw his sign as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now let's hop to 9 through 11. After this interview... Uh, with the king, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them, please pay attention to these verbs, guided them to Bethlehem. It went, uh, the star went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him, and they opened their treasure chests I ain't got a treasure chest. Y'all got a tre- I need a treasure chest in my life. They opened their treasure chests and they gave him gold, gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now listen, the wise men had traveled hundreds of miles from the east because of that star. It was their sign that the Messiah had been born. They knew it was coming. They knew the, they knew the prophets. They knew the prophecies. They knew at some point he was going to be born. And this was their sign that the Messiah had been born. Now, what is not clear is whether or not the star appeared to anybody else. It's always bothered me. And, it's, it, and the scriptures aren't really clear about that. Because here's, here's my deal. Surely other astronomers around the world would have noticed another new, bright moving star. This star moved. Did, did you catch the verbs there? Listen, I'm no astronomer, but in Buchanan, like our stars don't move. They, they, do they move in Bremen? They move in Carrollton and stuff. 
Buckhannon stars don't move, at least not fast enough to, to, to follow somewhere. You say, well, John, you see, the universe is constantly in motion, so it's possible. Listen here, Galileo, you just calm down. Because if it's the constant motion of the universe that caused the, the, this thing to move, then how do you explain the fact that it stopped over the house of Mary and Joseph? And why didn't the other people in Jerusalem and in Bethlehem see the thing too? And why didn't other astronomers from around the world and in other lands see it and follow it too? Because they I'm surely weren't the only ones who knew the messianic prophecies. Why was that? Because this was not just a star, it was a sign. It was a sign. I think it's entirely possible that the star only appeared to them. Or it was only significant for them because God needed them in the story of Jesus' birth. Why? Because when they brought gold and frankincense and myrrh, it was the money that they needed to finance the trip, the escape to Egypt that Mary and Joseph were about to take to hide and protect Jesus. God didn't need all the other astronomers in the world. He needed these guys right there. So that star meant more to them than to anyone else in the world. Which leads us to another point about signs, and it's this. Sometimes God will speak to you in a way that's only significant to you. He'll say something to you that you get and nobody else gets it. I've heard stories, I've heard people tell their stories, share their testimonies about what God has done in their lives and how their lives changed on this one pivotal moment. And, and I don't know, maybe I'm, just a, maybe I'm just a natural critic or cynic, but they pivoted their entire lives on a sign that to me didn't sound like any big deal. Y'all heard people like that? You're like, ooh, you like changed your whole life because of that? It, it, but it meant something. They understood it. They understood it. For me, I see a bright a star in the sky. I'm going to say, well, well, you know, there's a bright star in the sky. Now, I, I might run in and tell Anthony so he can get his telescope and run out and look at it, but I ain't going to load up my truck with two years' worth of supplies and go chase the thing, right? It, it wasn't a sign for me. It was a sign for them. One of the dangers of, um, of sharing your heart, of sharing uh, God's will for you, of sharing the vision that God's placed in your life is that a lot of times other people just don't get it. They don't understand it. They, they, they don't. They can't support the decisions that you have to make based on the call of God. They can't support those decisions because they don't make sense to them. And so here's just a couple of little tidbits of wisdom when it comes to what God is sharing with you, the signs that God's showing you and the will that he has for you. Number one is be careful who you share your stuff with. Like don't just go blabbing everything God's whispered in your ear because not everybody can hear it. Not only, only spiritual minds can understand and comprehend spiritual things. So, so don't just go sharing everything with everybody. And here's the second thing. Don't be mad at people who don't see the sign. Don't get mad because everybody else didn't see it. I want to show you this. We rarely talk about this, but this is in John 12, um, in verse 27. This is the last week of Jesus' life. 
He's preparing to go to the cross. And he said, now my soul is deeply troubled. Uh, Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came, Jesus said. And then he said, Father, bring glory to your name. And then a voice spoke from heaven saying, I've already brought glory to my name and I will do it again. And when the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder. Others declared an angel had spoken to him. And Jesus said, the voice was for your benefit, not for me. Right? Is that not a crazy thing? They're standing beside the Son of God. And they hear the audible voice of God, which is what we all swear if God would do for us, we'd get it. They heard the audible voice of God and they still missed it. Thought it was thunder. Thought it was an angel. Some of them probably didn't even hear it. Right? Don't be mad if your friends and family don't pick up on the sign from God that changed your life but was a little more subtle than an audible voice of God. Saul wasn't alone on the road to Damascus, but he's the only one who was blinded by the light. Peter wasn't the only one in Simon the Tanner's house. He's the only one that got the vision. Jacob's the only one that had the dream of the ladder going from heaven to earth. Jacob's the only one who wrestled with uh, with God through the night, but the entire nation of Israel was the beneficiary. I'm just saying when God speaks... Sometimes he speaks for the whole world to understand, but he's fully capable at other times of revealing himself to one person, but remaining completely hidden from everybody else. Do you see what I see? And the answer to that is only if God is revealing it to you. Only if God is showing it to you. Because God's signs for us are custom built and privately revealed sometimes just for you. So it might be a bird. It might be a song at just the right moment. It might be a rainbow. There's a thousand things that God could be speaking to you through. I'm not suggesting that we get superstitious We try to turn everything into some sort of religious relic. I'm not suggesting that we get hyper-spiritual. I'm just saying, sometimes God speaks and we're not listening. Sometimes God confirms and we're not paying attention. Doesn't have to be an earthquake. Doesn't have to be fire falling from heaven. But when he speaks and when we pay attention, Whatever signs and whatever voice he's using can be just as life-altering for us as any of these things were in the Bible. So, John, what's the takeaway today? What What am I supposed to do with this? Here's what I want you to know. God is still speaking. He's still speaking. And he's speaking with the intention of you hearing and understanding and carrying out his will. He wants you to understand. He's not some sort of cosmic mystic who spouts off these high-sounding phrases and then leaves you for the rest of your life to try to figure out what the heck he just said. When he communicates, he wants you to know what he's saying so you can do it. And so he's perfectly happy to give you a sign if that's what you need. So if you sense that he's saying something to you, 
but you don't know what or, or, or you don't know when or how, then ask Him to make it clear. Don't be afraid of waiting for clarity. Man, that's the hardest thing in the world to learn to do is just wait. But man, we'd save ourselves from a lot of trouble if we'd learn to get it right before we launch ourselves, right? Don't be afraid to ask questions. Not questions of doubt, not questions of, well, God, if you don't do this for me, I ain't doing it. But clarifying questions so that you know exactly what it is he wants you to do. I had someone, I had a conversation with someone this week and they said, I know I heard the Lord speak something to me and it's clear. I know exactly what he said. My problem is I don't know exactly what area of my life he meant it for. And my advice to them is exactly what I would say to all of us today in regards to any way the Lord speaks. Ask for clarity. Ask him and then wait on the answer. Because if you try to force fit what you think you heard or what you think he meant, you may wind up sabotaging what God is bringing to pass in your life. So be patient and be honest and be humble and be willing and be open enough for whatever sign it is that God has for you. Why don't you stand with me, please? We're going to sing a song together as we, as we leave, a Christmas song. But before then, I want to uh, give you a chance to just respond to the message. Had a birthday last week, 51. I've been alive long enough to know that life is tough sometimes, that there are decisions that have to be made. That there, are, that there are commands as a believer, there are commands of God for you to follow. And you need to know exactly what it is you need to do. And so I, I hope that this message is an encouragement to you because I'm sure that in the number of people who, who are either here or watching online or will watch eventually, I'm sure that among those number of people are people who are making a decision that's important. So I want you to be encouraged today. God wants you to make the right decision. I, I, you know, people have always been terrified that they're going to they're gonna miss the will of God. And I had a former pastor that used to say this all the time that he heard from his pastor, and I love it. He said, listen, God wants you in his will more than you even want to be there. So if you're making every effort to be in the center of God's will, then just have the faith that he's going to get you there. Okay? So today I just want you to be encouraged. God knows the decisions that you're facing. He knows your heart. He knows your passion about doing the will of God. So just trust Him to get you in the right position to see what you need to see and to hear what you need to hear so that you know what He's saying to you. So we're going to pray. If you'd like to come and pray in the altar, then you come right on. As I start to pray, you just come on. If you'd like for me to pray with you, if you'll come and just stand, I'll come and join you. If you'd like to pray by yourself, just come and kneel and nobody will bother you. Okay? And then afterwards, after our time of prayer, we'll, uh, we'll sing a song together and be dismissed. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that, Lord, thank you that you, your word says, who are, who are we that you're even mindful of us? Lord, why do you even pay attention to us? But you do, and we thank you for it. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to hear what it is you're trying to say to us today. Help us, Lord, that are, who may be standing in the valley of decision. 
Lord, I pray that you'd help us to hear your voice, to see your signs, to know what you're saying so that we can carry out your will in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would, more than anything, that you would speak with your peace, that we'd know that what we're doing and where we're going is exactly where you want us to be. So Lord, I just pray that you would help us to open our spiritual ears and our spiritual eyes and give us the courage and the faith to step out and do what it is you've called us to do. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We bless you. We depend upon you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.